ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show, and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's dot cool. We're here to talk about this past week in the WWE and in professional wrestling, and maybe football, I, I'm not sh- this is a this is a weird world the WWE has created, but we're going to talk about Raw. Well, maybe we're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about SmackDown Live for sure. We're going to talk about tonight's episodes of NXT and the Mayon Classic, along with the Mixed Match Challenge that happened, a little bit of news coming out of New Japan, and a bunch of other great stuff. I'm your host, Owen, and we are streaming this live over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. So if you're in the live audience, get in your comments and your questions, and I will get to them as I deem fit. Hello everyone, welcome to another week here. Still rolling by myself, but it's it's been going okay. I, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, I think, because number one, I'm if you can't tell, I'm a little feeling under the weather. It seems like everyone's getting a cold now, no matter where you are. So, if you're out there and you're feeling a little sick, I hope you feel better. And you better rest up, because apparently this week, a little game called Forza Horizon 4 is coming out. And people seem to be really into that. And if you have Xbox Game Pass, then you're already in. That's part of it. You get it at launch. That'd be exciting. I haven't played a Forza game in a while, so I'll probably be doing that, streaming it a bit. I guess I have to stream it on Mixer, because there's some weird rewards attached to it, that if you stream on Mixer, you get them that way, so I'm going to figure that out. Apologies to my Twitch followers, if that is the case, because part of this whole agreement with the the Twitch uh, affiliate program is I can't Multi-stream. It's weird. But whatever, it's fine. It's That's stuff you don't need to hear about. You just follow me on Twitter for information on that. And if you're in my Discord, you'll also get information because we're probably arranging something there. And, uh, yeah. Aside from that, not much going on. Especially game-wise, I'm just playing the little game called Captain Toad. Which is an old game, but I just got around to it on the Switch. And it's fun. Almost done it. And after that, I'm probably going to move over to Dead Cells. Because everyone's talking about that game. And apparently, if you like games like Rogue Legacy, this seems to be one of those. But a little more complicated in the combat, which sounds cool. I'm going to check that out. Still wrapping things up in Spider-Man. Spider-Man continues to be an amazing game. Pun intended. And I'm trying to think what else is coming out besides Forza. I think that's like I'm sure there's other big games. I'm glad that my Fortnite account now, if you didn't hear the news, is gonna is unlocked from the PS4, so I can possibly play that game again. Because ever since the whole cross-platform locking my account situation, I kind of bailed on Fortnite. But if, if I can get some friends to you know play along. And we could do some uh, cross-platform play. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be up for trying Fortnite again. I hear the kids like the Fortnite. And doing the floss dance or whatever. Which apparently the floss dance is also in Forza Horizon 4, so... Perfect. Great. I'm in. Whatever. 
That's enough game talk. Let's get into the wrestling news. So, let me pull up the notes here. The first uh, bit of news is that... Uh, did, did you guys watch Monday Night Raw this week? No? You didn't? I mean, I didn't. Which is weird because I'm supposed to cover on this show, but... Hey, I'm sick. I have an excuse, I guess. Also, I have an excuse that nobody watched this episode of Raw. This is like the lowest ratings they've had in like... Forever-ish. Well, not forever-ish, but I don't have the actual numbers in front of me. But I do have a comparison that should tell you how things are going. So, uh, this past December, they did an episode of Raw on Christmas Day. Because, why not? We have to do, we have to do, we have to do the Monday Night Raw every Monday. Can't do, can't give the wrestlers a break. That episode on Christmas Day had 300,000 more people watching it than this week. And you can't blame Monday Night Football because it was the Steelers and the Buccaneers, and that was not an exciting game. Until, you know, Fitzpatrick tried to bring the team back, and, and they failed because, of course, they did. But yeah, that's bad. That means uh, when we get to the Raw discussion, it's going to be very brief because apparently no one cares. Like, considering that Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns are, like, the main focus of the show now. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, but speaking of Raw, one thing did happen, which, uh, instead of talking about it during the weekly TV discussion, I'm going to talk about it in the news segment, because, uh, Brie Bella did a, did a, a bad. She did a bad on Raw this week. Apparently, uh... During a tag match against the Riot Squad, she decided to kick, do the yes kicks, you know, Danny Bryan's popular move. Except instead of, you know, just doing worked kicks, she actually kicked her in the goddamn head and gave her a concussion. And, uh, it's not, not only that, but also the fact that she stayed in the match for beyond that. Got tagged out and then got tagged in to do a suplex spot. What are you doing? Like clearly, you could see when she like hit the mat and she was out, like unconscious. They should have got her out of the match or stopped it or something. Because I don't. The whole thing is isn't the WWE all about safety and you know the wellness stuff and you know protecting people from headshots? But no, we're gonna just roll through his match and let her get back in the ring even. Like, that's the crazy part. So, yeah, she's got a concussion, and uh, her status for the Australia show, which is a week from Saturday, is up in the air. Whoops. Not not sure what they're going to do with this, but uh, I guess they could turn it into a uh, normal tag instead of a six-person tag and have a uh, Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella take on the other two members of the Riot Squad. But yeah, it sucks. That's not good. Hope lives okay. Uh, Brie put out a tweet, you know, saying that, you know, breaking character, saying, like, this just sucks, and uh, we're not supposed to hurt each other, and whoopsies, I did a bad. 
that thanks Bree. You, you, you the, 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 stop wrestling. But I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying you should stop wrestling <laughs> because you keep botching stuff, and eventually people get hurt, which happened this week. And uh, yeah, I'm not saying that Nikki should stop. Like Nikki's doing fine, but uh, Bree needs to chill. Go go do mother things. I think that's what uh, Maurice is doing now. Who's they kind of wrote her off TV? That's just me. Speaking of people getting hurt, our next news story is of uh, another bad one. Uh, Everyone's favorite New Japan wrestler, Yoshihashi, which, if you ever listened to our New Japan coverage, uh, especially during the G1, uh, me and Trace were very hard on this guy. Yoshihashi, outside of the Bullet Club OG, worst part of the G1. Yeah, he tripped uh, going to the ring during the Destruction show in Kobe. And uh, hit his head, and he was bleeding everywhere, and he was real bad. And uh, apparently he fucked up his head and shoulder, and he was gonna, he went to a hospital. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully he's okay, but... Yikes! He, he's supposed to have a bigger, you know, position in this in this big ending, end-of-the-show uh, angle. But because of the injury, they kind of had to limit him. Which sucks. For him, I mean, he sucks, but why not give him his big opportunity? But whoops, no, of course, Yoshihashi fucks it up and hurts himself. Oh well. I'm not going to say what happened at the end of that show, because we have another podcast where we're going to talk about the Destruction shows, and if you haven't caught up yet, don't want to spoil it for you. But if you want to hear me and my pal Trace... Talk about the three destruction shows they aired on New Japan World. Uh, sign up for that Patreon over at Patreon.cool. If you hit the uh, the nine ninety nine tier, you'll get the monthly bonus podcast, which is going to be our New Japan coverage of the destruction shows. That'll probably be up on Friday this week. So make sure you look out for that. It should be a lot of fun. I'm I'm almost done watching those. So we can record the podcast, but yeah, it's real good. New Japan is real good wrestling, turns out. Oh, also, they they edited out the uh, the fall from the uh, the replay, so don't don't go on the New Japan world and try to look that up, because yikes! Again, um, it looks like all my notes about news is just people getting injured. Because Sasha Banks got injured uh, late last week. And uh, just like Alexa Bliss, she's taken out of the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh Uh-oh. She was supposed to be teaming with Bobby Lashley this week, but uh, instead, Mickie James took her spot. I'm convinced that the the MMC is cursed, because... Last uh, last season, there were a bunch of injuries that changed the teams, and now we're already at two. So they need to uh, they need to do something. I'm not sure what. Like 
when they announce the MMC teams, they should just have everyone wrapped in bubble wrap and protect them. But then again, it's a Facebook show, so it's not really that important. But it's, I still really enjoy it. The, the, the MMC has been a lot of fun so far. So, uh, yeah. Everyone, watch watch out for yourselves. Stop getting hurt. Okay, and the next, uh, next news story from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. If you if you know what that is, so it's just some some Dave Meltzer guy reporting that uh, a match a big match is going to be headlining the Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia is going to be Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement to team with Triple H to take on the Brothers of Destruction, which they pretty much gave away, well gave hints. That they were going to do when they had Shawn Michaels appear on Raw a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I guess he's break- He's coming out of retirement. Because it's professional wrestling, and of course, no one stays retired. So that's, that's the big match. Apparently the Saudi king, or prince, or whoever the hell's in charge in Saudi Arabia, wanted Shawn Michaels, is paying a stupid amount of money. So uh, yeah. Screw all the other uh, retirement stuff. Don't don't matter anymore. Saudi money is the thing that speaks louder than having some self-respect and honoring a storyline from a few years ago. And uh, you should know that uh, at the Australia show, we're gonna have Triple H versus The Undertaker. With as they announced this week, Shawn Michaels in Triple H's corner and Kane. He's going to be in the Undertaker's corner. So that's clearly setting up the Saudi Arabia show. So, uh, great. I don't want to see Shawn Michaels in a ring again. I enjoyed the fact that it was the one retirement that actually stuck. And now they're just throwing it away. And also, Shawn Michaels is old. And I don't think he's in good ring shape. And it's just going to be upsetting to watch. That's why they're playing in a tag. They're not even going to have him do a singles match because guarantee he couldn't do it. Especially with The Undertaker, who also is very old and shouldn't be wrestling. But yet, we're going to have that match in Australia. Because why not? So, uh, that's all I got for news, except uh, I do... I did get sent a file... From our XFL correspondent, Oscar Bernard, who I've banned for being on the show. However, this is him pre-recorded, so I guess technically that's a loophole. And I'm going to play this. And I have not heard this yet. He sent it to me. I said, I'm going to listen to it live on the show. So here is Oscar with his XFL report. Where's the kind of football that the NFL used to be? Where's my smash mouth wide open football? So the XFL just posted three videos about how they're going to change football. First video, Commissioner Oliver Luck is like, Vince McMahon came to me. He's like, how can we make football better? And he was like, you know, every game's got its flaws and I love the challenge. We're going to make football better. And now here's two videos explaining how football is going to become better. First off, they've got this thing, it's called the Reimagination Committee, and their whole job is that they're going to reimagine football. How? 
you'll have to see when the league kicks off in 2020, but they're going to reimagine football for better football. So they got this committee, and it's like all these football coaches that I don't know who they are, but none of them are Dick Butkiss, which is a shame because Dick Butkiss is the greatest football man of all time because his name is Dick Butkiss. Uh, but I digress. They've got this committee, and it's going to be like a faster game of football, and it's got more plays. And it's this is for this is for the fan of football that's like, well, why can't my football be better? I mean, I like football, but I want better football. And you know who's going to deliver better football? XFL 2020. This is Heel Turns XFL correspondent Oscar Bernard. Now back to you, Owen. Thank you, Oscar, for that excellent reporting about how they're going to reimagine football. And uh, Tracy in the chat says, Dip, Dick Buttkiss, the most unfortunate football name. Is it, it? Or is it the best name? Who can tell, really? I mean, I think Mike Ditka is still the, the best, but that's just because he has a cool mustache. And he says, the Bears. But yes, thank you, Oscar, for that riveting report. I can't wait to see how they reimagine football. And uh, as more news of the XFL comes out before their 2020 uh, big coming out party, launch, relaunch, kickoff, whatever they're going to do, we'll have him keep chiming in with information. So thank you, Oscar. That's it for the news, but uh, let's move on over to talk about the WWE Weekly Television. So, the first big thing to, to mention about the WWE TV is that uh, they debuted a new Then Now Forever video to kick off all their broadcasts, and it's pretty cool. It's a uh, swirling. It's like them like going around the side of the WWE logo with videos of a bunch of the then, the now, and then popping up to say forever. Because wrestling is forever, and Vince McMahon will never die. So we're stuck with this forever. It's it, it's actually pretty cool. So if you've watched any of the WWE TV this week, you'll see the thing, and it's good. Clearly, I noticed it when I watched SmackDown because I didn't watch Raw. Because <laughs> come on, no one watched Raw. I, I, I talked about that earlier. But yeah, uh, I, I wrote here for Raw. Aside from that Liv Morgan stuff, nothing happened on Raw. I guess Connor beat Chad Gable. So uh, Trace, who's in the chat, I bet is thrilled that half of the Ascension finally got a freaking win, and they did it on Raw, not on main events. Not, you know, in a dark match. Connor got a win on actual Monday Night Raw. Yeah. 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 Trey says the Ascensions are so blurred. Come on, dude. It's the Ascension. It's everyone's favorite tag team. They, they got moved over to Raw because SmackDown doesn't do main events. So they needed to have someone fill in the gap before Raw airs. And now apparently they're doing a feud with Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. And they actually got a win. That's exciting. 
So congratulations to Connor. If you follow our stats tracking over at ProWrestling.Cool, the Ascension have been close, very closely hitting the top of the jobber list again, which they took over the entirety of 2017. So hopefully this win will uh, kind of deter that a bit. Because apparently Arya Davari, who doesn't exist anymore, still has a lot of losses. And I've considered deactivating him since we haven't seen him since... I guess it was the greatest Royal Rumble. And no, he probably appeared like the week after that. But yeah, we haven't seen Ari Devarian forever. Kurt Hawkins is just always losing, so he's still at the top. But yeah, congratulations to the Ascension. Not the worst. But also maybe the worst. Let's, uh, let's talk about SmackDown, though, because SmackDown this week was excellent. I, they're doing great things on SmackDown. If you're not watching it, it's two hours. They put the whole thing on Hulu, unlike the abridged version of Raw they do. And it's very good. Very good stuff. Uh, they opened with Ms. TV. And by Ms. TV, I mean Truth TV. Because R-Truth apparently took over Ms. TV, and that's his show now. Don't know why. Uh, but it's him and Carmella, who, uh... Carmella is not blonde anymore. Because apparently, I guess they looked at the, uh... The women's roster and realized that almost everyone on SmackDown is blonde. So, maybe she shouldn't... Maybe she should just go back to her natural, like, dark hair color. So, yeah. She, she's wearing her uh, darker hair color now. R-Truth is hosting his own TV show. Uh, he brings out Daniel Bryan and... He asks actual good questions and then does a dance party. Because why not? Dance. Do a seven second dance break in the middle of the show. Why not? It was really entertaining. R Truth continues to surprisingly be one of the best things going on SmackDown. And uh, yeah, R Truth uh, was taken over the show. The Miz came out, was pissed, and said, This is my show. And they had a match for control of Miz TV slash Truth TV. And the big thing coming out of this is that not not only did the Miz win and get his show back, but he debuted his own version of the running knee. He already took all of Danny Bryan's other moves, so now he took his finisher. And he won the match with it. He just hit the skull crushing finale, and then he set up for the kick. Which I want to I want to give a shout out to uh, the WWE production or whoever was directing this segment because as he was setting up for the knee, commentary went dead silent, and it was just cutting between the Miz doing the yes hand motions and. A close-up of Danny Bryan sternly looking on. It was just brilliantly put together. It added a lot of gravity to the moment where you realize, oh shit, The Miz took the most important part of Danny Bryan's repertoire. And as soon as uh, Miz won, Danny Bryan stormed the ring. He's like, screw this. So that adds a new wrinkle to their match at the, uh, the Australia show. 
And I'm kind of excited to see this. What if The Miz beats Danny Bryan with his own move and gets a WWE title shot? That would be pretty, pretty crazy. But also, I could see it happening. Uh, next thing I have written here is just just simply the word Milwaukee. And you may, if and if you didn't watch SmackDown, you may, may be like, "What's so special about Milwaukee?" And the answer is nothing, except in the storyline that we have between uh, Aiden English, Rusev, and Lana, because last week Aiden English attacked Rusev and broke up their little team. And this week, Rusev and Lana came to the ring and demanded answers. And Aiden English came out and he showed a video package of the birth of Rusev Day and how great these two have been together. Which, you know, if you actually know and you've been paying attention, yeah, they've been popular, but they've been, like, losing every big opportunity they've had. But don't worry, Aiden English doctored it so it didn't look that way. And then he showed a second video about Lana trying to add some doubt about her by having an edited video where it looks like it's, it's Lana who is screwing everything up and costing them all the matches and stitching together the commentary so instead of Aiden they're saying Lana is doing all this. And it's it's so good. Man, WWE production are just excellent, these video packages. And it, it was a real fun segment to watch. And then Aiden English dropped the bomb, where he said, well, if you're going to be so on- honest with uh, Rusev, why don't you tell him about that one night in Milwaukee? And then he left. And the rest of the episode revolved around Lana like being concerned that Rusev doesn't believe her that nothing actually happened in Milwaukee. And Rusev saying, I believe you, but also you know he doesn't actually believe her entirely. And apparently next week, Aiden English is going to provide video evidence of something happening in Milwaukee. And I am actually looking forward to this, because not only... Do we have this evidence coming out next week? But in the MMC, uh, Ravishing Rusev Day is going to take on uh, Day One Glow. And uh, depending on what happens in this footage, there may be a bit of trouble between Lana and Rusev. Just saying. I also like that part about the, the MMC is that storylines from the main shows have been carrying over. Like, for example, The Miz and Asuka take on R-Truth and Carmella, and we had the whole Truth TV segment going on on the episode of SmackDown. So just cool little elements like that being incorporated and making it a little more incentive to watch it. Aside from the fact that the matches are fun. Uh, what else we got here? We got uh, Ty Dillinger defeated Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm just, I'm just gonna let that marinate for a minute. Enjoy it. Ty Dillinger beat Shinsuke Nakamura, the United States champion, by disqualification. 
because it was a it was a fun competitive match, and uh, Ty Dillinger was starting to get the upper hand, and then Randy Orton showed up and uh, attacked him because Randy Orton's an asshole, and he wants to kill everything that we love, and uh, apparently that includes my adopted son Ty Dillinger. So. Guess we can have nice things like Ted Dillinger getting into the uh, the mid card championship uh, picture because Randy Orton not gonna let that happen. And they actually interviewed Orton later in the night, and he explained that it's not because he's gonna feud with Ty Dillinger now, because heaven knows we get to have Ty Dillinger do anything of value on SmackDown nowadays. He did it because the ten thing pisses him off, and because the people like it. There you go. Rain Yorn continuing to rain on all our parades and I guess continue to float in limbo now that Jeff Hardy's gone. I'm sure we're going to get a Ty Dillinger match on on like an episode of SmackDown, right? Probably going to be a squash match, but come on. Give Ty stuff to do. He seems to not be paired with R-Truth anymore because of the whole Carmella thing. But yeah. I like Ty Dillinger. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's way underutilized. And I hope this leads to something for him. Please. Please. Do something with Ty Dillinger. We had had a few good things from Becky Lynch this week on SmackDown. Uh, The first thing being that Charlotte was having a photo shoot for WWE.com or something. And uh, Becky Lynch attacked her. Because f- fuck Charlotte. She, Becky Lynch is the champion. Everyone, Everything should be about, about Becky Lynch. Which you can't really argue. She's great. So yeah, she laid out Charlotte and then stood over top of her holding up the belt and uh, demanded that the cameraman takes photos of her. And the best part about this is you could hear the audience in the in the arena, and they were cheering, because Becky is awesome. Like this was a super dastardly thing that she did, but it doesn't matter because it's Becky Lynch and she's great. So, great job, Becky. Yeah. No matter what you do, we will not turn our backs on you. Let's see what else we got here. Oh yeah, also uh, Becky fought a match with Lana because Lana's distraught, so put her in the ring! I'm sure that'll go great! Becky squashed her. She did talk shit about uh, the whole whole Milwaukee thing and saying, give the shit about Milwaukee. I'm the champ. Everything's about me! Which it is. Because Becky's great. Uh, then the last thing I have about SmackDown is that we had a contract signing for the Super Showdown match between Styles and uh, Samoa Joe, which is going to be no qualifications, and there must be a winner. And Paige is out there to moderate, and she was fretting him out the whole night, gaining security, making sure that you know this doesn't turn into a WWE contract signing and result in a brawl. And so we have Paige out there with security, and AJ Styles comes out. And then they announce Samoa Joe. 
and Samoa Joe doesn't show up. Because uh, we get video on the Titantron. Samoa Joe's outside somewhere. And it's clearly it's pre-taped because he's not, you know, lined up with AJ Styles and him trying to talk to Joe. Which is fine because you can't don't you can't rely on like live video streaming from a phone in the middle of nowhere actually, you know, being reliable on live TV. So I get it. It makes sense. But Samo but uh, Samoa Joe a few weeks ago had threatened to go to AJ Styles' house and I thought there's gonna be a whole segment of them fighting there. And then Samoa Joe just showed up in the arena and says, You guys are idiots. You thought I was gonna do that? Well, apparently he's gonna do it when he when he doesn't tell you he's gonna do it, because that's where he was. Styles is in the ring, and Samoa Joe is at the Styles house, and AJ Styles is not happy about this. He's like, "Oh Jesus, my family's in there. Oh God, the psychopath's outside my house." the The best part of this was Samoa Joe asking Styles to call Wendy. And to warn her. And Styles like reaching for his pockets and going, Well, no shit. I, I don't have my phone. And Samoa Joe pointing out, Yeah, of course not. Of course you don't have your phone. To, you don't bring your phone to the ring. Which is logical. You don't want to break your phone in a wrestling match. But still, the fact that they pointed that out was pretty good. And Samoa Joe was being creepy and upsetting. And he rang the doorbell, and then the show ended. <laughs> you did, we didn't get to see what happened. And it was great. Man. This Samojo I just saw stuff. It's like, I thought the whole family stuff when it started out was going to be real dumb. But it's been excellent. And it's mostly because of Samojo. I say this every time they're about to have a big match. Give Samoa Joe the belt. He deserves it. Give that man the belt, please. Yeah, it's on... I'm sure it's on the YouTube page. You should watch the Samoa Joe closing segment because it's just so creepy and awesome. And the way they just end it on a cliffhanger has me excited for more. More, please. We have one more week before the Super Showdown. Yeah, that was that was SmackDown. SmackDown was great. Our true stuff started the show, and then the Smojo stuff ended it. And there's a bunch of good stuff in the middle. Then we had two matches on the uh, MMC, which is on Facebook Watch if you're in, in North America, or I guess in, just in the U.S. I don't think Canada is able to watch it. But we had uh, Mickey James and. Bobby Lashley, who, uh, you know, as I said, Mickey James is replacing Sasha Banks, and they did a uh, a poll on Facebook to pick their team name, and they went with Country Dominance. And uh, if you watch the uh, the pre-show on Facebook before they, do, because we need a pre-show for everything, but on the pre-show for the MMC this week, they interviewed like fans outside the arena about names for the team and a lot of them said uh, Mickey Bo- Mickey Bobby which would have been a really good name 
But then one person <laughs> said the legit best name for this team, which was uh, it was Impact Veterans, <laughs> or like Veterans Veteran Impact, or something like that, because they're both from Impact Wrestling, and they kept that in the video. And it's real because it was this was all like edited and taped before the show. So that was a good little Easter egg they threw in there. Good job, WWE. <laughs> so yeah, Country Dominance took on Mahalisha, which is uh, Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. And the interaction of Jinder Mahal trying to do his Shanti stuff and Alicia just being a, a, a spaz was great. They had a fun segment where they did a push-up contest. With uh, the women actually like on their backs, and that was fun, and ended up shocking that the, the baby faces won. So, country dominance are your winners, and it looks like Mahalisha are gonna fight again next week, and Mahal's gonna try to calm her, get her to be like calm over the next seven days. So, good luck with that. The other match was the defending champions. Of the Miz and Oscar, Team Oscar, taking on the fabulous truth of R Truth and Carmella. And uh, the one thing I want to point out, well, two things I want to point out from this match is one, the crowd chanting for a dance break during the match, and the Miz getting pissed off at this, and the, the dance break actually happening, and Oscar getting in on it was good. And the other thing is that The Miz was calling out Carmella's moonwalk and saying he's got a the best moonwalk there is. And instead of doing the actual moonwalk dance, he did the thing where he took the big steps like he had no gravity. And it was real good. Of course, uh, The Miz sacrificed himself and uh, helped Asuka pick up the win for the team. Yeah, the MFC is great. It's just fun, dumb house show style matches, and you should you should be watching it because it's it's on Facebook and it's free. It's not not a big deal. So yeah, that's uh that's it for the weekly TV. If you have anything that I missed or you want me to elaborate a little more on, uh, hit me up in the chat. And if you're listening to the podcast version. You should tune in Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, 10 p.m. Eastern Time now because of the whole Mayon Classic pushing us back. But yeah, we stream this live and uh, you can put in your input. Like our pal Trace. So without further ado, uh, let's move on to talk about NXT. Which had a really solid episode this, uh, well... This very solid episode tonight, because we the next the next two's off. We do the full recaps of the shows that aired tonight on the WWE Network. So uh, on NXT, the show opened with William Regal uh, giving us an update on the whole Alistair Black investigation, trying to figure out who was the person who attacked Alistair Black and took put him on the shelf, and uh, pretty much immediately he gets interrupted by the Undisputed Era. Adam Cole calls out that it's been weeks and he hasn't gotten any further in the investigation. 
points out that the war raiders are going unchecked and just attacking them whenever. And Ricochet is ducking Cole and won't give him his rematch. Instead, Pete Dunne is getting a title shot. Uh, Trace in the chat says, Otis for all champions. Uh, do you mean, do you include tomato cha- for tomato champion? Because we'll get to that, because the, the main event of this episode of NXT was Otis Dozovic versus Tomasa Champa, a.k.a. Tomato Champs. And it was... It was really good. Trey says yes and yes. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, Regal uh, points out that, hey, Adam Cole, you never asked me for a rematch. And in fact, you wanted uh, Pete Dunne to go first and weaken up Ricochet for your rematch. And because of the Undisputed Era's interference last week, that title rematch isn't going to happen right freaking now like Adam Cole wanted. But instead, two weeks. And it's not a singles match. It's a triple threat with Pete Dunne. That should be an excellent match. I look forward to it. Especially after that, you know, match of the year candidate between Ricochet and Pete Dunne last week. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch that match. The finish was obvious, but I didn't care. Oh, also, uh, not only is that happening in two weeks, in three weeks, uh... Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly are going to defend their NXT tag titles against the War Raiders. So there you go. Two big championship matches happening next month. Uh, Mrs. B60 says, what about John Cena? John Cena is not wrestling. And especially on NXT. Also, you can't see him. So maybe he was there. We don't know. Uh, after this, we get a Johnny Gargano uh, interview outside of Full Sail University. And uh, apparently he's fighting Tony Nese next week. For reasons? I, I don't know why Tony Nese is going to be there, but he is. So, sure. And uh, this is going to be Johnny's big chance to become Johnny Wrestling again. And, uh, you know... After all this failing and you know, having to apologize to the NXT universe for being a complete failure, this will be his big turnaround, and he's not going to turn to the dark side like he almost did. So he goes off to leave with uh, his wife Candace, and Lacey Evans shows up, and uh, Lacey Evans uh, says that a real woman would fight beside her husband, and she kind of does a thing where she caresses her finger on his chest and Candace is not a fan of that, turns out. And kind of freaks out and Johnny has to hold her back and they they go off. So it looks like we're getting more Lacey Evans versus Candace LeRae and I am for it. Keep keep that feud going. Apparently Lacey's also feuding with Dakota Kai on uh, Twitter. Which uh, you should check out. That stuff is pretty good. Uh, we After this, we get a Lars Sullivan squash match. Didn't even write down the guy he was fighting. Because who cares? And uh doesn't matter because we don't even get a finish to the match. Instead, EC3 in his suit 
just runs out and attacks Lars. Somehow gets the upper hand and clears Lars to the ramp. So a little revenge from Lars taking out EC3 a few weeks ago before his match with Raul Mendoza. So I guess we're getting that. So there you go. What else we got here? Uh, William Regal is asked by a cameraman in the hallway about the Alistair Black investigation because that's all he can talk about. And uh, while he's talking about it, Nikki Cross pops out of his office. Why? I don't know. And uh, she well, actually, she says, straight up says that she just wants to play with uh, Bianca Belair again in the ring. To which Regal goes, uh, I, I'll look into this, I guess. And uh, then Nikki goes on and says over and over again, I know, I know, and just trails off. And the cameraman's like, is she talking about the person who attacked Alistair Black? And Regal's response is, does anyone know what Nikki Cross knows? Probably not. He's a crazy person. Ex excellent stuff from Nikki, as always. Then, we get the Mighty versus the Street Profits, which has been a feud that's been boiling over the past few weeks. And if you remember last time, uh, I forget who the, uh, the Street Profits were going against, but uh, it ended up with the Mighty interfering and stealing their jackets and the like, cups and everything. So this week, the Mighty come out wearing Street Profit stuff and having their solo cup. And in response, Street Profits are just coming, just storm out during their entrance and they're all pissed off. And uh, right before the bell rings, uh, Angela Dawkins just straight up clocks Shane Thorne. And lays him out. And it's just the Street Profits fighting angry for the first bit of this match. Montez Ford does like a sick dive to the outside. And then gets back up onto the ropes and then does another one. Because he's amazing. And then uh, after a hot start, the Mighty even it up. You know, kind of slow things down. And uh, the big story of the match was that uh, Ford was on the apron and fell between the steps and the ring post with his leg kind of trapped and uh, it was uh, it was Nick Miller who did a running uh, drop kick to the steps and uh, further injured his leg so the rest of the match was hey Montez's leg is all fucked up was not let him tag in, tag in his partner, and just attack that for the rest of the match. And it actually cost him the match because uh, Shane Thorne used the bad leg for a figure four jackknife pin, and uh, wrapped him up and screwed the win. So once again, using dirty tactics, the mighty pick up another victory over the Street Profits, and ever since. Turning heel and getting rid of that TM61 name, the Mighty have been on fire and have been on my radar, finally. Because 
when they debuted in WWE, everyone was talking about how great the Mighty were. You know, the Mighty Don't Kneel. And I just didn't see it. They're generic baby faces who did okay in the ring, but, you know, with all the talent in NXT, it's, they didn't really stand out. Now they're doing good good work, great heel tactics. Uh, the whole Mighty thing is now, you know, they're actually using that, and it's great. So good on them for finally getting their voice in NXT. Let's see, what else we got? We had Vanessa Bourne taking on Kari Sane. You know, Kari Sane, the NXT Women's Champion. At the beginning of the match, Vanessa puts on the pirate hat and mocks Sane. Kari responds by just looking very angry and quiet and just staring at her up close before just beating the shit out of her. And uh, it's pretty much a squash match. Kyrie hits the insane elbow, gets the win. But after the match, Shayna Baszler comes out. And she says that uh, Kyrie's time is almost up. And that she is going to invoke her rematch clause and get that belt back. Gonna put down the anchor and beach Kyrie and get the belt. Pirate stuff. Sane says that she can have her rematch at WWE Evolution. And she's gonna win again. So there you go. There is your NXT Women's Championship match at Evolution. A rematch of last year's Mayhem Classic Final. A rematch of TakeOver Brooklyn. Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler. Sign me up. I surprisingly enjoyed their match at TakeOver. Because I really didn't like their match at the Mae Young Classic. And, uh, yeah. I hope, hope it's good. I'm still not looking forward to this Evolution pay-per-view. And it's not because it's an all-women pay-per-view. But it's because WWE doesn't really care about the women on the main roster. And if it's Vince booking the show, it's not... Uh, I don't know. If if this is more of the style of NXT takeover type of booking, then I would have more faith in it. But with people like Ronda Rousey on the show, uh, and uh, I don't know, don't know about this one, guys. And I also don't know about the next thing that happened on NXT because all I wrote here was, "Oh fuck off, Keith Lee is gonna fight Kona Reeves." Keith Lee deserves better. It's true. Because Keith Lee was talking to the camera about wanting gold and instead walks in on Kona Reeves getting his hair done and he's just the worst. So yeah, I guess we're getting this match next week. Or whenever. Hopefully never. I like Keith Lee, but Kona Reeves just... On a show where you have EC3, and you even straight up had these, those two wrestle each other, you don't need Kona Reeves. Can Kona Reeves cut a promo yet? Ask Trace. No. I, I mean... It sounds fine, but the content's not great. He's just the finest, and he wants his hair taken care of. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't like Kona Reeves. 
And I'm sure when they had the match, he's just going to yell that he's the finest and then get his ass kicked by Keith Lee because Keith Lee's great. But forget, forget Kona Reeves because the main event is up next on NXT and it is Otis Sozovic versus Tomato Champs. Before the match even starts, I have one thing written here and it's fuck yeah, Otis. Fuck yeah, Otis. He's great. And you would think, oh, it's a, a one half of a tag team taking on the NXT champion. And it's just going to be a showcase for Tomato Champs. And you would be wrong. It was all about Otis. And Otis is the man. Otis caught Ciampa off of the top rope and spun him around a bunch. And then slammed, you know, just because he can, and then slammed him. O- Otis has uh, Champa reeling early on and is try- as uh, Champa's trying to get away. Uh, he dumps Champa on the outside and does the Caterpillar, because Otis rules. Champa slams Otis on the back of his head on the steel ramp, and uh, gets back in the ring and tries to get a count out, but he's like... No, he's stirring. He's going to get back in. So I'm just going to attack him some more. I'm going to drape, drape him over the apron while he's in the ring and then hit him with a running knee. And it's only for two. Which was shocking. Otis, like, there's some good near falls in this match. Otis brought it. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Next, uh... Ciampa hopped on Otis's back with a sleeper, but uh, because Otis is a big man, he just fell backwards and crushed him. Smart move. Uh, Ciampa then uh, quickly grabs the belt and tries to leave, but then Tucker Knight shows up on the entranceway. He's like, no, you're not leaving. You've got to fight my buddy. Which was cool that Tucker didn't accompany... Otis to the ring, because he wanted him to just have a straight one-on-one match. But then he showed up later to kind of make sure the match happens. It was cool. I I respect that. Uh, Ciampa messes with the referee, and then while they're distracted, pokes Otis in the eye. But uh, after that, Otis reverses and hits a power slam for a near fall. Then uh, Otis goes for a Vader bomb, but Ciampa rolls out. As Otis tries to give chase, uh, Ciampa hits a really nasty draping DDT to the apron, where he straight up goes vertical and falls to the outside of the ring, and it looked brutal. Like, really nicely done. He then brings uh, him back up to the apron, hits a second... One of his uh, draping DDTs and picks up the victory because he's the champion. But damn it, if I didn't believe some of those near falls from Otis. Like, he looks like a million bucks coming out of this. Like, great job from both these guys. Ciampa looked like a, you know, a shit heel who's just trying to escape this guy who's clearly outclassing him despite the fact that he's the champion. Because that's all that the. Uh, Ciampa is. He's not better than people in the ring. He's just smarter. And also, you know, 
does it through shitty means, like how he retained against Johnny Wrestling, or how he actually won the belt in the first place. So yeah, I, you got they should push him. Push Otis. I guess push Heavy Machinery because I like both of them. But also push Otis. Give him all the, as Trey said, give him all the belts. Give him the UK Championship. Give him the North American Championship. Give him the NXT Championship. Give him the, hell, give him the NXT UK Women's Championship. I don't care. He's great. Otis is on my list for Wrestler of the Year. Or Superstar of the Year, excuse me. He's Heavy Machinery is also on my list for Tag Team of the Year. Just because Otis is in it. Yeah, that's NXT. NXT was very solid this week. That main event. Real surprise. And then we move on to the last show of the evening. It's uh, the Mayon Classic. Which was the final four matches of the first round. Because, I don't know if you know this, but the finals are at Evolution, and Evolution is next month. So, we have, for the first match, it's Rachel Evers taking on Hiroyo Matsumoto. This is the part where I see names written down that I'm not familiar with, and I do my best to not mispronounce them. So, about Rachel Evers, she is the queen of strong smile. Because she smiles a lot, I guess. But also, she's the daughter of Paul Ellering. And uh, she was in the uh, tournament last year, and she's learned a lot since then. I, I don't think she's signed with the... Actually, yeah, I think she is signed with WWE. Because she appears on NXT every now and then. But she's not one of the real, like, pushed names yet. And uh, Hiroyo Matsumoto. Her nickname is Lady Godzilla. And uh, she will destroy you. That's all you need to know. Uh, commentary points out that uh, Renee Young was talking with Taroyo uh, earlier in the day, and apparently her dream match is against The Undertaker. Yeah, sweet. I, w- I would watch that match. I mean, maybe not current day Undertaker, maybe Undertaker from a couple years ago. But yeah, it's just, that still would be cool. Uh, the first thing I point out in this match is that uh, Jesus, uh, Hiroyo's missile drop kick off the top rope into uh, the chest made a real bad sound. Like, I don't know. Uh, clearly, I don't think it was from the contact of the move. But whatever she hit on herself to make the impact noise, woof, it did not sound great. Uh, Hiroyo then doesn't let up as she continues to hit her with some rough chops. Because uh, Rachel Evers may be the queen of strong smile, but uh, Hiroyo is all about that strong style. And that means beating the shit out of you. Uh, Hiroyo, also I point out that Hiroyo is uh, yelling a, a bunch of Japanese and just general noises like... No matter what she does in the match. 
Because sure. Like it, it it's fine. It was kind of annoying, but whatever. You you do you, Hiroyo. However, the crowd is way behind Rachel Evers. Because you know, she appears in XT all the time. And they're familiar with her, and also she's great. She's cool as hell. Uh the problem is that, you know, she's getting the shit kicked out of her for the majority of this match. So, uh, finally she reverses the momentum with a powerbomb and, you know, catches her breath because she's still reeling from that missile drop kick that made that bad noise. But unfortunately, that doesn't really, you know, lead to her taking the advantage. Instead, it's them trading hard forearms. And, uh... After that, Rachel hits a neckbreaker into a running senton for two. She does, then does a spinning leg drop on the second rope, which looks crazy. And again, it's only for two. Match is heating up. This is getting good. Like hell, uh, Hiroyo hits a German suplex and Rachel just no-sells it and gets up and gets all pissed off. But, uh... Hiroyo's response is just, I'm just going to knock you down again. And she does the uh, the spot where she does the, the slam, grabs the arms, lifts her back up, and then slams her again into a powerbomb. And then uh, hit the rock drop for the victory. Not the rock bottom, the rock drop. It's a different move. So, everyone was behind Rachel Evers. Did not quite work out for her as Hiroyo Matsumoto advances to the next round. Real surprisingly solid match. I've I really enjoyed this. So uh, good job to both women. Great way to start off the episode. The next match is Jess Alaban versus Tainara Conti. About a little bit about Tenara Conti. She is the real black belt in the women's division. She's also the first Brazilian wrestler, in, uh, female wrestler in WWE. Uh, whereas uh, Jesse uh, Alaban, she mentions that she's from Earth. And then she describes herself as Amazeballs. And I don't like it. Like, is is she just meme girl? Is that what we're doing here? Because I'm not crazy about it. They also point out that she's only been uh, training in the WWE uh, Performance Center for like a year and a half. So, combined with uh, this weird millennial bullshit, with uh, the fact that she doesn't have a lot of experience... Not really high on the her, turns out. Then, uh, yeah, so I point out she's. She oh, um, before uh, training the performance center, she was actually a collegiate volleyball player, so she's got the athleticism. Just the character work and the experience are the things that are holding her back currently. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Tenar Conti is, uh, she's pl- really pissed off. Like, if you don't, if you didn't see her qualifying match on NXT, she's just, like, mad all the time now. 
and just wants to like ruin your day because uh, she like keeps risk control for a good portion and uh, does that joint manip- manipulation stuff where she just bends her hand backwards and then like fucks with the webbing between her fingers like you know the area between your fingers and it's, it's bad like it was upsetting but also cool because she's being a shit heel and uh she ends up doing a uh, a judo throw into a side slam and picks up the win pretty easily over uh, Jess not 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 really outside of Tenara just you know being fired up and mad not not really much to report here uh Jess needs more time whereas with the uh, Casey Catanzaro, who has under a year experience and a ton of athleticism. She also has the personality, and she actually does like a really good job with the selling. So yeah. Jess, you need you need more work, lady. But hey, that's why you're in the performance center, so keep at it. Also drop the character you having, because I don't like it. After that we have uh Isla Dawn versus Nicole Matthews. Isla Dawn, she's the modern day witch. She's not gonna give up if things get uncomfortable because she's been like kickboxing fights and like brawls of all types. So she's tough. Also, did I mention she's a witch? Uh, Whereas Nicole Matthews, uh, she doesn't care how much experience you have, she's just gonna hurt you. And she was an alternate alternate last year, and uh, how can you have the women's evolution without her? So here she is. She's in the the Mayo Classic this year. So, uh... It starts off with uh, Dawn having a nice flurry of like various kicks, which looks good. But then Matthews gets control and ties Dawn's arms... Uh, Excuse me, I, I jumped ahead too far. She fo- First, she focuses on uh, Dawn's back with some hard kicks and then a backbreaker and then some stretches. So, ring psychology. Off to a good start with this match. Uh, the whole story, besides you know, the back injury, is that Isla is just getting outpowered by her because like, she's not like a heavyweight, but uh, Nicole Matthews is a larger competitor. And uh, she's using that ex- that to her advantage. Uh, Matthews then ties Dawn's arms in the ropes, and and then gets onto the outside and starts using a bunch of uh, kicks to the chest while she can't protect herself. And that looked bit that looked rough. That's the story about this night it was a lot of hard hits. Like even the commentary pointed out, like everyone's just beating the shit out of each other tonight. Jesus. Matthews is has control and then starts trash talking because she has the advantage, but that fires up uh, Dawn, who then hits a bunch of kicks of her own and then a knee. And then I don't know how to explain this next move, but uh, I like kind of picks her up in the torture rack position, and then kind of falls backwards and twists into a slam. And I don't know if she just like lost her balance or what, but it, it got the job done. And by that I mean it was a two count. 
And then the finish of the match was Nicole Matthews putting Isla Dawn into the Lion Tamer. That's right. She used the Lion Tamer, and she got the tap-out win. That was awesome and very unexpected. So there you go. Nicole Matthews, who apparently, and I don't, I'm not as familiar with her, but apparently she's a big deal. She moves on. This was a solid, solid outing for both, and uh, Aladon will continue to be seen because she's in the NXT UK women's division. So I'm sure we'll see more of her. She's 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 an interesting character. I'm into it. Then we have the final match of the first round. It's Io Shirai versus Zaya Brookside. Uh, Io is a huge was a huge signing for WWE because she's like the number one women's wrestler in Japan, and they signed her at a, uh, a live event in Japan earlier this year. And uh, her uh, big idol is Rey Mysterio. That's that's good. That's that's a, a good person to look up to. Also, uh, she apparently was supposed to be in the Man Classic last year, but then she had an injury and needed surgery, so that delayed her getting into the the tournament as well as you know getting an actual contract. She didn't clear the physical. Zaya Brookside, she's the youngest competitor in the tournament at only nineteen, and she's got cool uh, rainbow hair. And also, she's the daughter of uh, Robbie Brookside, who's a uh, a UK legend and a current trainer at the WWE Performance Center. I think he's doing a lot of stuff with the uh, the NXT UK uh, st- brand as well. So he's he's there. He's he's at ringside. And funny enough, this match is his first time seeing his daughter wrestle. How about that? You gotta gotta make that proud. So uh yeah, yeah, EO comes out in a cool mask, and I'm like, oh I didn't know Well, I that makes sense with the Rey Mysterio stuff, but also she takes it off to wrestle, so okay. You're doing the thing Almas does where you come out with a mask and then you don't wrestle in it. Sure. It's a cool mask. So uh, yeah, the the match the Susan Bell rings it starts off fast with the with Zai hitting a ton of hard strikes and then them running the ropes and missing each other a whole bunch and uh, you know having a stare down and the crowd's like yeah this is gonna be great. Uh, I write I wrote here dang, Ia reverses a punch and spins down to the mat into a cross face. Which was cool, because she grabbed the fist, like, ducked out of the way of the, of the punch, grabbed the arm, and spun her around, and put it into the crossface, and it was a, it was a cool transition. But, uh, unfortunately, you know, we, we kept cutting to Robbie, who was watching at ringside, but this match did not last very long. Because, uh, Io hit a running knees, uh, to Zaya, who was, uh, kind of, like, sitting in the corner, and she got some real bad whiplash from the, the, the middle turnbuckle on her head after this. 
Uh, got laid out in the middle of the ring, and uh, then EO hit a top rope backflip. Like, to the middle of the ring. Which was kind of impressive that she got, like, some of her on this. And uh, picked up the win. Short match, but the big signee moves on against the, the young upstart. It didn't say much of her, but I think Zaya is pretty cool. I think she should keep at the, uh, Oh, of course, she's Robbie's daughter. She will keep at this, but... Yeah, I want to see more of her. She's she's pretty pretty entertaining. And I like the whole stack she has with the, the different colored hair. So there you go. And that's the Mayo Classic, and that wraps up the first round. So, uh... Next week, we just kick right off into the second round, and we see some people returning, and hopefully we get some real solid matches coming out of it. And I believe that's it for Heel Turn, which is a production of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's .cool. You can go to the website. We have uh, win-loss tracking. We have articles about SmackDown because we don't have anyone to write the Raw one. And also, I was sick this week, so there was not a SmackDown article this week. I apologize. We'll try to get that back up next week. Our pal uh, Michael, aka Fondasa, he does his hot takes on Fridays. Hopefully he's back this week with another rip-roaring opinion about something in wrestling. You never know with him. He he goes all over the place. He can talk about, you know, Shine. He can talk about New Japan. He can talk about All In. Ring of Honor. Like, he he covers everything. He's he's an excellent dude. So make sure you check that out. Uh, if you want to follow us, follow us on social media, Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash pwdotc. Or search prowrestling.cool. Our Twitter is at the heel turn and at PWDOTC. Once we have more staff, you know, around, hopefully the, the heel turn will start live tweeting the wrestling shows again. But a bit understaffed at the moment. Can't do everything. So uh, my apologies to that. But uh, if you want to help us, you know, keep doing this thing and expand it some more, you can go to our Patreon. Which is at patreon.cool. I bought that URL. Thanks to our patrons. So if you go there. We have different tiers. One dollar gets you the show notes. For uh, this and all episodes of Heel Turn. If you pay $9.99 though. You get access to an exclusive podcast every month. Where we cover things that we don't normally cover. And we did the G1 last month, and this month, me and my pal Trace, who was being awesome in the chat during tonight's episode, we will be talking about the three destruction cards that they aired on New Japan World, uh, highlighted by big matches such as uh, Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii. As well as uh, Tetsuya Naito taking on 
Trey Tr- says, oh, Lord, things happen. Yeah. Versus, uh, so yeah, it's Tetsuya Naito versus Minoru Suzuki. And of course, for the briefcase and the Tokyo, Tokyo Dome match, it's, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus, uh, uh, Tanahashi. It's been a long show. I'm tired. I apologize. I'm, I shouldn't be blanking on these guys' names. It's late. But yeah, go to uh, Patreon. Not cool. Get that nine ninety nine a month in. Trace and I have a lot to talk about. It's going to be exciting. I can't. I can't wait. I. I. I think we're recording that uh, tomorrow, and I still have one more one more card to watch. But it's been excellent so far. Also, I do know the thing that happens at the end of the next one, and I'm. I'm excited to see how they pull it off, despite the fact that Yoshihashi is now dead. Rest in peace. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, just me personally, you can follow at the underscore ozone. I revealed the logo uh, today for League of Heels' Everyone Can Wrestle show, which will be at PAX Unplugged in December. So that'll be exciting. That'll be a fun show. I will have my hand in the pot on that one, putting together a very fun show. Uh, Trace also says, "Rest in peace, Yoshihashi." I mean, I need to. I need to watch the footage. I need to count how many pieces he's in. That's it. We're done. We'll be back next week with another episode where I will have my predictions for the Super Showdown card because. Next weekend is the Australia show. Can't wait to wake up in the middle of the fucking morning to watch a WWE show instead of a New Japan show. I do it for you people. Also, I tend to like sleep in and just watch it later. I'm... Whatever. It's fine. We'll be back next week. Another episode of Heel Turn. And uh, until then... This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.